0: Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 30th and final day of July 2022. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and let's take a look back at the week that was, starting more or less chronologically and also with a couple of important dates or anniversaries, which also helps set the stage for some other news later in the week. First, and this didn't get much notice at all, no surprise, what's called the BIRD, the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development Group, had declared Saturday, July 23rd to be World Ivermectin Day in order to celebrate the life-saving properties of a drug that uh, has been pretty much deep-sixed because it works a hell of a lot better than injecting people with the poison poke. It was World Ivermectin Day, the second annual as it turns out. And among other things, they published a timeline showing the effectiveness and some of the recent history of what's clearly nothing short of a miracle drug. For example, in early April of 2020, various regional health ministries in uh, far more enlightened countries than Big Brother Britain and the I Am the Science guinea pig playground of America's Dr. Mengele, authorities within places like Peru, Brazil, and Paraguay initiated what was called ivermectin distribution campaigns to their citizen populations to great effect. Early on, by November of 2020, Dr. Pierre Corey, ICU consultant, had testified to the U.S. Senate saying that ivermectin should be used for the treatment of COVID-19, and the earlier the better. Infamously, on the 20th of February, 2021, the Federal Death Agency came out and, echoing those who would prefer to have people dead rather than cured, claimed that ivermectin was a dangerous horse medicine. I'm sure you remember that. Study after study after study after study has shown that they were lying. and moreover. The reason why is glaringly obvious in the presence of a widely available, extremely effective, almost side effect-free miracle drug. And while ivermectin may have been among the best, it wasn't even alone in that regard that really was safe and effective as a treatment against COVID-19. And, of course, beats the living you-know-what out of injecting people with Zyklon B. There would have been no justification, and they were and for it bad and obviously willing to kill to keep it covered up for the emergency use authorization, much less the mandated injection of hundreds of millions of human guinea pigs. The timeline shows that the 15th of October 2021 was the date when Robert F. Kennedy's incredible tour de force and big pharma expose called The Real Anthony Fauci, got published, detailing the corruption of what was once called science. And as of this year's World Ivermectin Day on the 23rd of July, 2022, they note that ivermectin is currently used for about 27% of the world's population. And while the majority of higher-income countries with high vaccination rates, sick, are suffering recurring increases of COVID-19 infections and, of course, hospitalizations, not to mention deaths, folks, from a whole lot of related and even apparently, but not really, unrelated things, lower-income countries with low vaccination rates, which implement routine mass prophylactic and early treatment drug administration, including ivermectin, have significantly lower overall infection rates. Here comes a quick bias admission from your host, not like I haven't made it before. I was one of about 300 million-plus Americans who was lied to about ivermectin by the Federal Death Agencies and Center for Death and Control, I even had some veterinary ivermectin on hand in case we ever needed it for our animals. What I really didn't have was some of the information that's now widely available, and trust me, I've since taken the time to search out, but it was being massively covered up and, yes, lied about over a year ago in May when I was hospitalized and almost died. And no doubt about it, folks, I give credit where it's due. It was clearly Yahuwah that saved me and not so-called modern medicine. I certainly do appreciate people's prayers and the availability of oxygen nowadays too, though. But the real point is, had I known then what I know now, I would have not hesitated to take veterinary ivermectin rather than the alternative of no ivermectin at all, as opposed to what was done instead. And any risk there paled in comparison to those that I was subjected to in a hospital setting. On to another interesting anniversary one year ago, late last week, in what was called more than a bit ironic by John Nolte of Breitbart, to the day even, The marionette in chief, this time wearing his pretend I'm a doctor too mask, came right out and assured gullible Americans that the vaccinated could not get the coronavirus. One last thing that's really important is we're not in a position where we think that any virus, including the Delta virus, which is much more transmissible and more deadly in terms of non-unvaccinated people, the virus, the, the, the various Shots that people are getting now cover that they You're OK. You're not going to you're not going to get covid if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the yes man there is the criminally negligent moderator for the criminal news network, Don Lemon. Anyway, one year to the day later, July 21, 2022, the White House, or what now passes for it, announced that the allegedly at least double Zyklon B injected and double boosted senile one himself, creepy quid pro Joe Biden, has the booga-booga Fauci bioweapon-based flu. Were they lying then? Are they lying now? Odds are all of the above, but it is an amazing coincidence, and as some have since suggested, downright fortuitous. If the real goal here is to get rid of the guy that should have never been installed in the first place, and just maybe use his shocking passing as an excuse for reinstituting, well, you can guess, all of the hair of the dog, all the things that destroyed the American economy first time around, and this time, they are sure will put a wooden stake in what's left of it. Now, here, your host has to admit, when I first heard that kind of speculation, I thought, ah, that's a little over the top. After all, wouldn't it be embarrassing to the swamp to have the very guy who said, you won't get it, and then got it one year to the day after making that idiotic claim be proven to be literally so deadly in error? And then I realized, well, come on. This is a guy that closed the Keystone Pipeline on day one and then blamed Putin for what he did to gas prices. This is the so-called commander-in-chief responsible for arguably the biggest military blunder and international embarrassment in the history of this country. He didn't resign, but he's gone on to destroy the military, to paraphrase the evil Chuckie Schumer, six ways to Sunday. He talks about protecting Ukraine, and he sends them all the weapons that were supposed to be used to defend us while literally inviting an invasion across the southern border. And now he's basically telling Russia, I double-dog dare you. Go ahead, nuke us. Ha ha. So maybe the swamp critters are right. There really is nothing too stupid for the American people not to swallow, hook, line, and sinker. Because one thing's for sure, the waste stream press did make a really big deal about the number two vaccine pusher in the country having come down with COVID. And oh yeah, don't forget, the multi and boosted, or so we're told, Dr. Mangala even got it too. I guess really if there's a message here, it's be afraid, be very afraid, no matter how many pokes you take, it's probably still never going to be enough. Here's one from Steve Kirsch, very much related, quoting a story from Trillium Health Partners out of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, concerning the deaths of not one, not two, but three young physicians, all of whom seem to have been multi-vaxxed, and I hope you're sitting down for this one, folks, all of whom died suddenly and consecutively. Three of the physicians at Mississauga Hospitals have died. The first on Monday, the second Tuesday, the third Thursday. The cause of death wasn't shared in a memo. You can guess why. But how many times have you seen three doctors at one hospital die in one week, just days after that same hospital started administering the fourth shot to their staff? This in addition, notes the piece, to the physician who worked at North York General who died this week while out running. How many coincidences will people keep continuing to accept? Here's another story your host is going to call related. I'm going to give this one all of about 15 seconds. It does come from the Gateway Pundit, though, and it's entitled, under the subheading, Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and it concerns a so-called public health expert and director of, oh, guess what, George Soros' Open Society Foundation, who proudly told The Guardian how he'd had sex with several men during NYC Pride festivities, whereupon he proceeded to blame the government for his having contracted both monkeypox and gonorrhea. They didn't have enough testing capacity, you see. Some of us might suggest he seems to be lacking in brain capacity. Just maybe folks are going to have to start adding to their acronym again, LGBTQ monkeypox, Syphilis Gonorrhea++. In Michigan, News Channel 3 has published the results of the Republican primary election. Trouble is, maybe they got an early feed from Dominion. The primary election isn't scheduled until next week. Oops. And hey, I bet you'll never guess who won in two different races, big time even. The Rhino and the Never Trumper. Here's a follow-up on a story that came out of the broken rule of law in uh, Soviet America late last week. It took no time at all for that federal jury sick in the District of Criminal Swamp to find former Trump advisor Steve Bannon guilty on both charges of contempt of Congress. Well, hey, folks, on that score, I guess all of us should be guilty. If you don't have contempt for Congress at this point, it's probably because you're not paying attention. After he refused to comply with a subpoena from the new House Committee of Un-American Affairs, trying to slam dunk the January 6th coup down the throat of the American people. In his closing statements, Steve Bannon's Attorney M. Everan Corcoran suggested that the J-6 committee was illegitimate. Do you think? And how about a real shocker? Politically motivated. And it's hard to argue otherwise when egregious examples abound, including the former attorney general for the disgustingly evil Barry Sabarco, Barry Sotero, the man with more aliases than even the guy who didn't actually win the presidency, and one of the most disreputable attorney generals in history, and that's saying a lot, Mr. Fast and Furious Eric Holder, who, like Bannon, but he got away with it, ignored a congressional subpoena of documents related to the infamous Fast and Furious scandal. But it was former presidential candidate who didn't get the nod from the Socialist Democrats because she's obviously too honest, Tulsi Gabbard, who weighed in over the weekend and had this to say. No matter
1: what you think or feel about Steve Bannon, the fact that he has been found guilty of contempt of Congress, yet others have faced no consequences at all, people like James Clapper, for example, sat before the U.S. Senate under oath and lied directly about an NSA program that was conducting mass collection on millions of Americans. Or John Brennan, for example, as CIA director. He spied on Senate staffers, lied about it, and also broke into Senate computers to read emails from whistleblowers to members of Congress. Now, both Clapper and Brennan kept their jobs and to this day still have faced no consequences at all. What to speak of being charged and prosecuted and found guilty of the crimes that they committed.
0: And she doesn't mention it. The list goes on and on. But certainly at the top of that list, as has already been noted, has to be Mr. Fast and Furious himself, Eric Holder, who was held in contempt of Congress. And hmm, they didn't do anything about that either. Certainly no fine, no jail time, not even media humiliation. But he did get a really cushy golden parachute.
1: Now, this is just the latest example, unfortunately, of how our Department of Justice has become a political weapon being used by those in power to go after their political enemies.
0: Which, if you remember the title that Mr. Fast and Furious held, explains very clearly why it was he managed to skate. First from Zero Hedge, new home sales and prices both plunged in June as Pulte home builders admit that order cancellations are soaring. And amid the plunge, says Tyler Durden up front, in home builder confidence, record low affordability, tumbling single-family starts and permits, and multi-decade lows in mortgage applications, it's no surprise that analysts expected a 5.9%, or so they say, month-over-month plunge in new home sales in June, especially after that surprise 10.7% month-over-month panic buying surge the month before that. The consensus was right in direction, but again, off in magnitude. New home sales plunged 8.1% month over month in June, and that surge in May was revised down to just 6.3%. Bottom line, new home sales have fallen for five of the last six months, and the last few months have seen a one-way street of downward revisions. Meanwhile, the new home sales SAAR has stumbled to its lowest since the nadir of the COVID booga 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 lockdowns in April 2020. Well, at least the good news is medium home prices are down almost 10% month over month. The biggest one-month drop since September of 2014. Related story? This actually came out over the weekend, but it really fits here. Blackstone, you know them, one of the biggest private equity firms in the world, and they basically run everything that the Communist Chinese Party doesn't. Or is it the deep state? Or maybe I repeat myself. Anyway, they are preparing a record $50 billion, says a story from Zero Hedge, to snap up real estate during the coming planned collapse. Who could have thought it? And I guess this, too, is also yet another related story. The Confidence Board's confidence level has tumbled as Hope has now hit a nine-year low, says their senior director of economic indicators, quote, concerns about inflation, gee, do you think, rising gas and food prices in particular continue to weigh on consumers. And looking ahead, inflation and additional rate hikes are likely to continue posing strong headwinds for consumer spending and economic growth, economic growth, yeah, sure, over the next six months. Oh, and as Zero Hedge notes, who can blame Americans for not being confident because the Adjusted Misery Index is at the worst level since the worst of the Jimmy Carter era? And here's an interesting observation. Compared to the current bumbling, hair-sniffing, senile poster boy for dementia currently infesting the White House... Did you ever think anybody could make Jimmy Carter look wise, reasoned, even skilled and capable by comparison? And speaking of which, since the goal is obviously to completely destroy America's energy infrastructure, does this surprise anyone? The Biden Fuhrer plans to sell an additional 20 million barrels of oil from the so-called Strategic Petroleum Reserve just in time for the midterms. No word yet on how much of that's going to go to the Communist Chinese Party puppet masters. But at least so far in 2022, the SPR has been drained by over 125 million barrels. Anybody care to gamble on a sure thing? Place your bets now as to exactly when the SPR will show up empty. I'm guessing anytime after about 4 a.m. after the election when they shut down the vote counting and bring in the rigging crew. Oh yeah, and you can expect the blackouts about the time the first winter storms start to arrive. And oh yeah, did you hear about how the Biden regime, or at least those that are pulling the strings, has redefined, no, not just what vaccinations are, that's old news, but what a recession is, too. Trouble is, given what's coming, we ought to realize nobody's going to be using the R word anymore anyway. And even the D word probably won't quite cut it. There was a quote from the moronic... Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, on Monday when it came to a recession saying, you don't see any of the size. Well, no, she doesn't. A recession, she said, is a broad-based contraction affecting many sectors of the economy. We just don't have that. Unquote. No, folks. We have a smackdown ultimately affecting all sectors of the economy. And as a matter of fact, by the time they're done with it, there may not be anything left of the U.S. economy. Which takes us to the big midweek story we've been working up to. And that's that the Fed's Open Market Committee, to no one's surprise, again raised interest rates by three-quarter percent. 75 basis points in their latest way-too-late-to-the-party effort to contain Bidenflation. And this, as the United States has officially entered, or whoops, not really, but we'll come back to that, a real recession, as it was once defined anyway by those who knew what they were talking about, as two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Now, of course, they lie about inflation, so that means they can easily lie about GDP. What's negative growth anyway in a country in complete collapse? And we're getting pretty close to the point where they'll decide to redefine what two means. This latest massive surge in the key overnight borrowing rate by three-quarters of a percentage point is the second such in a row, matching the biggest increase since 1994. And that move, says the Daily Mail's report, brings the target rate to between two and a quarter and two and a half percent, where it stood in the summer of 2019, just before the COVID-1984 pandemic was hyped to destroy the economy then. And it represents one of the fastest ever gear changes, says the UK rag. In U.S. monetary policy, because just over four months ago, the policy rate was near zero and the Fed was buying billions and billions of bucks of newly printed money each month to allegedly at least pump up the economy. No, folks, they were pumping up the inflation rate. In a press conference following the latest announcement, clueless Fed Chair Jerome Powell suggested that just maybe the pace of interest rate hikes might slow down sometime later in the year. Yeah, folks, when it's obvious the economy's hit the wall, and they'll again reverse direction way too late. Which brings us to this story from the bureaus of Lying Statistics, and in this case, Tyler Durden and Zero Edge. Considering they say the dismal Atlanta Fed GDP now prints over recent weeks, and considering the full court press by the Biden regime and its CCP marionettes to change the definition of what a recession is, it'll hardly be a surprise to anyone. But moments ago, they say the Bureau of Economic Analysis confirmed what everyone with half a brain has long known. The once free American economy has now entered a technical recession. The first estimate of quarter two GDP came in at a negative 0.930 percent, far below the half percent actually positive consensus forecast. But right on top of what the Atlanta Fed was suggesting – And after the first quarter's minus 1.6%, this now is the second consecutive quarter of negative GDP, which, at least as far as markets are concerned, if not reality, is the definition of a recession. And remember, folks, they lie about inflation. It's a lot higher than has been admitted. GDP is thus really even more negative. That means the recession is a lot worse and further along than has been admitted as well. And no surprise, people that pretend that their gender pronouns are more important than anything else, especially your livelihoods, not only don't get it, they seem to like lying just for the sake of lying. Summit News and Steve Watson put it this way. Fox News White House correspondent Peter Doocy made Joe Biden's so-called press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, look like what she obviously is, a total fool Wednesday by exposing just how she and other Biden minions are attempting to redefine what a recession is in order to claim that America, regardless of what's really obvious, just isn't in one. When he asked the prevaricator outright... If things are going so great, then why is it that White House officials are trying to redefine recession? And at this point, you better just take a listen. If things are going so great, though, then why is it the White House officials are trying to redefine recession?
1: No, we're not redefining recession.
0: If we all understand a recession to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in a row, and then you have White House officials come up here to say, no, 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 that's not what a recession is. It's something else. How is that not redefining recession? Because that's not the definition. Because she's right up there with Humpty Dumpty. Lewis Carroll nailed this, folks. A word means exactly what I want it to mean. What I say it means. Nothing more and nothing less. It's about who is to be your master. That is all.
1: That is not the definition.
0: Brian said in 2008, of course, economists have a technical definition, which is of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. I can
1: and tell you this.
0: He said mm-hmm. two consecutive, two negative quarters of GDP growth is not the technical definition of a recession. It is not. Changed. It is not. Why did he say that? It on is one? not. It's not, it's not, it's not, cause I say so, it's not! And what's funny folks is that eventually Peter Ducey went on to ask, well hey, what's the difference other than who's president? But when it comes to lying, and then forgetting your own lies, it's tough to top the prevaricator in chief himself. He may be senile, but he can still ignore the truth. Even older Americans are very unlikely to get severe COVID if they have two booster shots. No, they're more likely to just drop dead of something else, like a heart attack or stroke. Most COVID deaths are among those who are not up to date on their shots, their COVID vaccinations. It all depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. You know what's funny? And that's why this is a Clintonian lie, because you're never, ever going to be up to date on all of your required pokes. So if you're over 50 and you haven't gotten a booster shot this year, go get one right away. Because if there's one thing you ought to know by now, it's that we want you dead. And you know what? I really shouldn't leave it there. The Gateway Pundit on this points out the depth of the life. Even ABC News, after analyzing federal data, get that, concluded that more COVID-19 deaths occurred among the vaccinated and more breakthrough deaths are expected with more Americans reaching whatever the moving target of full vaccination status is and even so-called experts are starting to realize and wake up and admit that. According to the new analysis, almost 19% of COVID-19 deaths recorded were among the so-called vaccinated in August 2021. After six months, February 2022, the number of deaths increased to more than 40%, and it's still higher now. And not only does mRNA vaccine effectiveness, if it ever had any to begin with, wane after four months or so, it also poses a number of different life-threatening complications to people who took it. The Gateway Pundit notes that a new German study with around 40,000 participants concluded that severe complications after receiving the COVID Zyklon B poke is about 40 times higher than previously recorded, much less admitted. Oh, yeah, and let's not forget a previous big Biden whopper. The, vi- the, 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 the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have Vaccination. He's not just a joke of an excuse for a fake president, folks. He's a joke of an excuse for a human being, which brings me to a story that I've seen any number of times from any number of sources, including internationally of late, about what a joke the regime in Washington has become to the point where internationally the United States is now a laughingstock. Look no further than the image at Bastille Day at the French ambassador's residence to make the point. If you haven't seen it, folks, maybe you haven't missed anything. But it shows so-called Transgender Assistant Secretary of Health, good grief, Rachel, a.k.a. Dick Levine, in drag, impersonating a female admiral, and newly hired DOE nuclear nutcase Sam Brinton, also in drag, demonstrating graphically to the world what competence now means in the world's Drag Queen Story Hour Showcase. These type of images and the decisions they speak of indicate not a progressive administration, but one where the so-called leader quite literally makes us look the weakest, and in fact we are, that the United States has ever been. The biden führer's diminished mental capacity has become even more pronounced of late than it already was, and it was glaring when he was installed, folks. It goes far beyond the confusion, gas falling off of bicycles, and we don't even have time for the whole litany, and has become clearly, beyond doubt, a national security threat. And it's not just his decision, even if we know they weren't really his, or the fact that other countries are relentlessly mocking him, as she provides the links. But the weakness seen in his diminished mental capacity is a clear temptation to other nations to take advantage of a leadership void because America is too weak, too addled to stop him. And once upon a time, there at least might have been a competent VP standing in the wings. But uh, give me a break. The rest of the world already knows her singular qualification for the job anyway. And we'll be right back. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I'm again your host, Mark Call, And when we left off, we were talking about a lack of confidence in what now passes, unfortunately, for leadership in the once-free United States. From there, we'll go to another story that ought to be obvious, but at least in a way, it's good news. This comes from Julian Conradson at the Gateway Pundit and says that 83% of Americans, says a new poll from Rasmussen, are concerned, to put it mildly, they ought to be, about election integrity in the upcoming midterms, and 75% of them are concerned about outright cheating. Numerous investigations, it says, have found evidence that the fraudulent 2020 election, especially in key swing states across the nation, but now we've got lots of evidence of others, too, have proven that the 2020 election was rigged and stolen from rightfully elected President Donald Trump. A single election audit in Maricopa County, Arizona, for example, discovered evidence of hundreds of thousands of potentially fraudulent and certainly questionable ballots. Earlier this year, there was the 2000 Mules documentary from True the Vote and Dinesh D'Souza that exposed a nationwide illegal ballot trafficking ring, which inserted hundreds of thousands of ballots into key swing states across the country. And, of course, the Gateway Pundit notes, they reported all the way back in October that more than half of Americans even then had awakened to the fact that the election was stolen. And now an overwhelming majority of Americans no longer have any faith in our so-called elections. As right-side broadcasting has put it, quoting the Rasmussen report, 83% of likely voters are concerned about election integrity ahead of the 2022 midterms. 75% are concerned about election cheating. And since 2020, the system has been plagued with overwhelming reports about fraud on just about every level, from ballot trafficking to dubious vote tabulation to Internet connections that aren't supposed to be there to software that changes votes, scientifically, of course. And this is on top of an earlier report from Rasmussen on the National Pulse back in July, finding that over half of Americans believe it's likely that widespread cheating will affect the outcome of the November midterms, while 55% believe that it did change the outcome of 2020's presidential election. It's not just sanity that's dead in one's free America, along with any semblance of actual leadership. It's the rule of law, and we saw that demonstrated on a number of fronts this week, starting with the Feral Bureau of Instigation where Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio came forward to say that whistleblowers have approached him and disclosed that FBI leadership, SIC, is pressuring agents there in response to pressure from the Biden Fuhr to artificially pad domestic terrorism data. These are, of course, the same people that want to disarm honest Americans before they wake up and realize what's already been done to them. Evidently, to further that end, as Jordan wrote in a letter to the FBI Hormeister Chris Ray that given the Biden regime is pushing domestic violent extremism as the, quote, greatest threat facing our country, the revelation that the FBI may be artificially padding domestic terrorism data, too, he said, is scandalous. But given that the intent seems to be to make war on the American people, folks, I think the real word is treasonous. But it's not just three-letter Big Brother agencies where corruption rules. As Dr. Paul Craig Roberts points out, even the American Board of Internal Medicine has now decided to strip Dr. Peter McCulloch of his board certification because, oh, I hope you're sitting down, he dared to cure COVID patients using horse pace. Or no, the real name of the drug is ivermectin. And for that, they have demonized and labeled one of the most respected doctors in the entire world for spreading misinformation. American medicine sick has now become almost as much of a sick joke as the American legal system, American elections, American federal law enforcement, and the un-American imposter-in-chief. Which takes me now to the first of several deeper looks for today at what's really going on and what people are, hopefully at least, finally starting to wake up to. One of those has been warning for a while is Tom Luongo via his site, and I love the title, Gold Goats and Guns blog, When all you have left, he says, up front is managing narratives, well, that becomes a full-time job. And that's where the Davos crowd is today, just before the next big Fed rate hike and just over three months out from the U.S. midterm fraud, er, uh, elections. We're getting to the point where the subject doesn't matter anymore because everything is managed, massaged, wheedled, or cajoled into a convenient definition which serves some aspect of the Davos agenda. Last week, they were blaming Russia, Russia, Russia for the West financial meltdown, food and energy shortages, forcing the ECB to raise rates. And this week, it's redefining recession and shifting the blame for it to, uh, well, I guess the only thing left is the Federal Reserve. First, Treasury Secretary, sick, Janet Yellen, proclaimed she doesn't see a recession, and nobody should be surprised at that. And now the O'Biden regime has redefined recession away from the technical definition that existed for a while, at least, of two straight quarters of negative GDP growth. Of course, long ago they started lying about GDP, so maybe it is time to uh, come up with something better, but certainly not continuing in the same direction. And no, I can't help but recall Ronald Reagan's famous definition. It's a lot closer to the truth than what We've seen of late. A recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you do. Here's what the regime tried to claim. While well, some maintain that two consecutive quarters of Falling real GDP, they're not going to tell you what real GDP is, folks. It's been falling for a while now. Constitute a recession. That is neither the official definition nor the way economists, or at least those that we're going to allow to speak, evaluate the state of the business cycle. Says Luango, come on, and I am paraphrasing it just a bit. Even trying to pick this idiocy apart would give it credence far beyond what it deserves. Just remember that since Lehman Brothers, we've now officially avoided a technical recession for 13 years. And the U.S. tyrant with the most aliases ever was re-elected on that narrative. Easy money and deserve. Zero bound interest rate policy kept the U.S. from printing those dreaded two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. So now, when that condition can no longer be avoided, what are we supposed to swallow this time around?
1: What? We've got here is failure to communicate.
0: What we have here is not only a failure to communicate; it's another political tool to appeal to middle-class nitwits who still want to believe the mantra: Trump is the devil, Fauci is the high priest of say it with me, folks, the science. And the socialists masquerading as Democrats aren't communists either, so they can feel smart and justify voting for more beatings until morale improves. Concludes, Tom, Americans are angry because they know they've been lied to and they continue to be lied to. What they want more than anything else, he suggests, is for someone, anyone, to finally tell them the truth. And here he quotes the great critic of tyranny, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote, We know they're lying. They know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. And we know they know we know they're lying. But they're still lying. There's economic dislocation on the horizon, he concludes. But the epicenter will be Europe, not so much the U.S., which will, at least to some extent, insulate us, and more importantly, the Fed, from the worst of the fallout. And while you're still at least a bit free to complain about it, you better do so privately, and whatever you do, just don't call it that word that starts with R. Oh, and for crying out loud, your host adds, don't even think about using the D word. But it's not just economics where people are finally starting to feel the pain and maybe see the light. Dr. Joseph McCullough emphasizes something that most regular listeners here probably long figured out. The COVID poison pokes impact both male and female fertility. Since they rolled out in December 2020, he begins, it didn't take long before real doctors, as opposed to the kind that play them on TV and advise people to commit suicide by lethal injection, they started warning about possible reproductive side effects. Among them were Dr. Jancy Chun-Lindsay, director of toxicology and molecular biology for Toxicology Support Services, LLC, who in April 2021, for all it was worth, submitted a public comment to the U.S. Centers for Death and Control, and their Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. How's that for a lion mouthful? Highlighting the potential for adverse effects on fertility. Dr. McCullough says he interviewed Dr. Lindsay in 2021, and basically she predicted what we're now observing. Credible evidence that the COVID shots cross-react with syncotin and reproductive genes in sperm, ova, and placenta in ways that might impair, to put it mildly, reproductive outcomes. Quote, we could potentially be sterilizing an entire generation, she warned. And since then, of course, we've seen volumes of reports about women who've been duped into taking the Zyklon B injection, reporting, among other things, menstrual irregularities. And they literally run the gamut. And a whole list of other things, you've heard most of them here, including miscarriages, fetal deaths, and stillbirths. Oh, and would you believe, writes Dr. Mercola, there's still no data to support that pregnant women should be stupid enough, I'm sorry, I guess gullible really is a better word there, to allow themselves to be injected with the Zyklon B-shot either. Bottom line, and you figured this out, haven't you, there's a massive depopulation effort underway. From there, on we go to a couple of articles from people that I've long admired, like Dr. Ron Paul, former presidential candidate and congressman from Texas, who's always been on the side of truth, but has certainly tended to be circumspect about it. He might admit privately, as he has to me, that he really understands what evil looks like when he sees it, but at least up until recently, he's been reluctant to level both barrels and fire. I guess you could say that he's inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt, up until it's no longer possible. This week, though, he writes for Lou Rockwell and the Ron Paul Institute about what he calls ugly COVID lies, saying, after two years of unprecedented government tyranny in the name of fighting a virus, the prime instigators of this infamy are walking free, writing books and openly pretending they never said the things they clearly said over and over. Take the Trump White House's COVID response coordinator, Deborah Burks, for example. She was, as the Brownstone Institute's Jeffrey Tucker recently pointed out, the principal architect of the disastrous lockdown policy that destroyed more lives than COVID itself. Burks knew that locking a country down in response to a virus was a radical move that would never, at least openly, be endorsed. So, as she admits in her new book, she lied about it. She sold the White House on that out-of-thin-air Fifteen days to slow the spread BS, all the while knowing that there was no evidence it would do any such thing. And as she wrote in her new book, Silent Invasion, quote, I didn't have the numbers in front of me yet to make the case for extending it longer, but I had two weeks to get them. And as Dr. Paul writes, she was playing for time with no evidence. And as it turns out, she was also destroying the lives of millions of Americans. The hysteria she created led to countless businesses destroyed, countless suicides, major depressions, drug and alcohol addictions. It led to countless deaths, too, due to delays in treatment for other diseases. And it may turn out, writes Dr. Paul, to be the most deadly mistake in medical history. And here, your host can't help but interject, maybe Dr. Paul is still giving her the benefit of the doubt, because I don't think it was a mistake, unless maybe she was Dr. Mengele's useful idiot. But he's not done, anyway. As she revealed in her book, continues Dr. Paul, she actually wanted to isolate every single person in the United States. Writing about how many people she would allow together, she said, if I pushed for zero, which was actually what I wanted and what was required, this would have been interpreted as a lockdown. Ooh, the perception we were all working so hard to avoid. So, yeah, she wanted to prevent even two people from meeting How is it possible, writes Dr. Paul, for someone like this to gain so much power over our lives? One virus, suddenly we become communist China? And uh, honestly, folks, that's true. But it took a lot more planning than that. Furthermore, she also knew that the vaccines weren't really vaccines at all. Dr. Paul goes into some detail about, well, what did she know and when did she know it, saying if she knew all along that the so-called vaccines were not why, why didn't she tell us? Because, as she admits in her book, she believes it's just fine to lie to people in order to get them to do what she wants. And she even admitted that she employed subterfuge, her term, against her boss, President Donald Trump, to implement COVID policies he opposed. So why is it any surprise that she lied to the American people about the efficacy of, and I'll change a word or so here, folks, zyklon B injections? The big question now, concludes Dr. Ron Paul, after what appears to be a tsunami of vaccine-related injuries and deaths, is will anyone be forced to pay for the lies and the subterfuge? Will anyone be held to account for the lives lost and the arrogance of the Burkses and Faucis of the world? And sad to say, Dr. Paul and I both know the answer. Although I know he's probably still reluctant to say it out loud, it's a resounding no, and they're just getting started. Jim Quinn at the Burning Platform has a real tour de force of what's been going on of late up on his website. Just paddling while the empire burns, it begins. And he starts with a reference to that phrase, fiddling while Rome burns. It is, he says, an intriguing idiom, referencing the great fire which ravaged Rome for six days in 64 AD. The legend, of course, is that Emperor Nero, one of the most sadistic, decadent, and cruel rulers of all time, (laughs) well, uh, at least up until recent decades, instead of taking actions to stop the fire, played his lyre while composing a song about Rome's destruction. The Roman historian Tacitus wrote that Nero was rumored to have sung about the destruction of Rome while watching the city burn, but it's likely this was just a myth. Still though, folks, it's a great metaphor. The fire destroyed 70% of the city, left half the population homeless, and of course there are those who believe, I'm sure they would be called conspiracy theorists today, that Nero set the fire on purpose, especially after he used the land cleared by that fire to build his golden palace and its surrounding pleasure gardens. And, being a soulless autocrat at heart, Nero did what all feckless politicians do. He blamed the Christians, an obscure religious sect at that time, for the fire, and had many of them arrested and, of course, executed. Whether that story is true or just a parable, the messages remain pertinent throughout history, and never more so than today. Arguably, occupying one's time doing inconsequential things while catastrophic events are underway is the ultimate in leadership failure. And of course, if those things are planned, your host can't help but think it's a couple of notches worse. Focusing on trivial matters while your people are suffering during a time of crisis is a mark of an ineffectual, irresponsible leader at best, or maybe one whose true purpose is to burn down society so that it can be built back better in the form of a communist totalitarian state, ruled by a globalist elite cabal. Obviously, continues Jim Quinn, it's impossible to ignore the parallels to an American empire in flames as the Biden Fuhr, the hordes of hyena politicians in the District of Criminal Swamp and their captured corporate propaganda media mouthpieces, not to mention the central bankster of fiat printing enablers and the Davos billionaire cadre. But, he says, no doubt, it's become a conflagration destined to rage out of control and consume not just Rome, but the entire planet in flames. Yes, if you've read The Fourth Turning, you know we're in a time of crisis, our rendezvous with destiny. Not only is the American Empire burning in an abstract sense, but once the Antifa, BLM, and pro-abortion terrorist groups, all of course funded by Soros and Gates et al., hit the streets, the country will be literally burning. The chaos, havoc, violence, and vitriol are being engineered by the puppeteers, aka invisible government, who control the minds of the masses through media manipulation, non-stop propaganda, technological deceit, and of course Of course, social is I put that ist in there folks, indoctrination through government schooling. It was succinctly described by Edward Bernays nearly a century ago and has been perfected by those governing the world today. And he quotes the line I'm sure you've heard before that used the phrase invisible government from propaganda at length. I wonder, though, if the people of Rome were as baffled by their emperor's total disregard for their well-being and safety as the city burned to the ground, as the minority of critical-thinking Americans are today watching the biden fure and his Obama-based handlers and their toadies in Congress who systematically burn our once-great republic to the ground. No doubt the Biden Fuhrer is an incompetent, low-IQ, hapless, dementia-ridden, racist pedophile, but what's happening in this country and across the globe is not due to mere incompetence, but a purposeful destruction of all productive structures, small businesses, constitutional rights, and of course societal norms. And I would add biblical standards too, but that of course is politically incorrect even to suggest nowadays. In order to implement a totalitarian techno-gulag across the world run by a global elite of billionaires, and their evil apparatchiks. That's quite a paragraph, folks, and it pretty well nails it. A crucial aspect of this new world order, says uh, Jim Quinn, is massive depopulation of the planet to the desired number of serfs, less than half a billion, said the late, not-so-great Georgia Guidestones, needed to do the slave labor to keep the overlords in the luxury and splendor that they've become accustomed to. Private jets, yachts, fenced luxurious 25-bathroom mansions armed with private security for them, while the serfs own nothing, eat bugs, and, of course, Oh, don't forget, they'll be happy, or at least be swiftly terminated, since guns will have long since been outlawed. Bottom line, says Luongo, quoting Cicero our nation is beset by traitors within. And here he starts to get to the real nitty-gritty. The pockets of firestorms, says Quinn, swirling out of control across the world and purposely ignited by those running the show, makes it difficult to distinguish between fires detonated as distractions and the real inferno destined to reduce the world to ashes. Understand, though, that everything roiling the world over the past 27 months plus has been initiated and or utilized by the ruling oligarchs in order to implement their master plan of build back better as they burn the the world to the ground. Even the distractions, though, are designed to further the agenda, like the latest example, the Supreme Court ruling on abortion. And while the lunatic left riots and protests in left-wing cities where they can murder an unborn child anytime they want, and woke corporations virtue signal on behalf of sacrifices to Molech, it gives the left-wing media something to scream about other than the J6 insurrection, and he puts that in, quotes, hearings that no one wants to watch anyway. Pride Month is, again, nothing but a giant distraction where drag queens, teachers grooming children, and transgendered BS are jammed down our throats and corporations attempt to capitalize on the worship of abnormality. We're there, he says, the place that William Casey, CIA director, wrote about in 1981, quote, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. The January 6th armed insurrection farce, he says, led without arms by a Buffalo guy initiated by FBI plants like Ray Epps and Antifa infiltrators, is another giant engineer distraction. It's all designed to cover up the traitorous coup conducted against Trump by deep state players in the Oval Office. You know, the three-letter agencies and the puppet master, as well as the wicked witch herself, Hillary Clinton, and the Washington establishment, a.k.a. one party, instituted yet another distraction last week under the guise of, oh, say it with me, folks, protecting the children, another unconstitutional gun grab that basically says the hell with the entire Bill of Rights. Even if red flag laws, which have already correctly been deemed unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, are overturned, It didn't stop the likes of Pelosi, Schumer, and a bunch of traitors, Republican rhinos, from virtue signaling and committing treason in the process. Until it's overturned, it'll be used to take away the guns of anyone not towing the Big Brother line. And as your host has noted for some time, it's also intended to kick off a hot civil war. Just as was the case with the Biden viewers' unconstitutional demand, that all employers mandate the Cyclone B injection, knowing full well it was unconstitutional and tearing up the Bill of Rights in the process, the ruse worked anyway as tens of thousands of employers mandated the poison poke before it was deemed what it actually always was, illegal as hell. But still, folks, they've managed to kill who knows how many tens probably of millions of people that are now dead folks walking. And I like this good one-paragraph summary. Just as Nero blamed the Christians for the disaster he created, Biden blames Putin, Trump, oil companies, the unvaxxed, lawful gun owners, and the 70 million voters who still consider him to be an illegitimate fake president for the 10-alarm fire engulfing the economy, stock market, and the society he continues to debase with far-left, utterly fascist policies. At the current trajectory, Biden should go down in history as infamous as Nero, with his fatally reckless actions trying to initiate World War III with Russia. Quinn recounts the sort of details there. I won't because you already know them. But as Biden spends his days in a dementia-ridden haze, falling off bikes, crapping his pants, smelling little children, pumping green energy fantasies, and honoring mentally damaged LGBTQ++ icons while pretending to be president, his handlers orchestrate everything he does, says or thinks, and the country accelerates towards economic implosion, global war, civil chaos, and hardship never experienced, at least since the 1930s, for average Americans. Now here, folks, your host has to make one more observation. In the 1930s, the family farm was still a very much real and available thing. It saved a whole lot of lives. That, of course, has been systematically destroyed in the decades since. So that safety net isn't there this time around. Neither, of course, will be diesel-powered tractors, trucks, or locomotives, not to mention nitrates and fertilizers, and a whole bunch of food processing facilities that have been mysteriously and suddenly burned to the ground. Here he quotes Leonard Cohen's famous song, and the lyrics would say, everybody knows. In this case, everybody knows the 2020 election was stolen. Everybody knows we're on the wrong path, to put it mildly. Everyone knows Biden is brain dead. Everyone knows Kamala is the dumbest human being on planet Earth. And, oh, yeah, we also know that if she would kept her legs together, she wouldn't be where she is today. Everyone knows Biden's team are a bunch of incompetent diversity hires. Everyone knows we just, uh, well, pissed away. bucks down a Ukrainian toilet. Biden's responsible for double-digit inflation, intended to go much higher. Not to mention $5 gas, also intended to go a whole lot higher. And everybody knows bad things are going to happen over the next two years. And finally, he concludes what most of us know. The conspiracy theorists have been right all along, including the fact that the most sadistic and insidious aspect of their depopulation conspiracy are the so-called vaccines that don't keep anyone from contracting, spreading, being hospitalized or dying from COVID, pumped into the bodies now of almost five billion people. While actual thinking doctors not yet bought off or intimidated by Big Pharma warned over a year ago about the side effects, the ADE or antibody dependent enhancement created by the not vaccines and the danger of myocarditis and other heart and clotting issues, especially in seemingly healthy young people, and they warned about potential impacts on fertility. And for their troubles, most ended up being banned by the likes of Twitter and Facebook. While the Centers for Death and Control and the federal death agencies, along with Fauci, Pfizer, Moderna, and the other evil servants of Satan, continue to lie and obfuscate. So, the good news, everybody knows, at least most of those with eyes to see or ears to hear. But the real question remains, from here on out, what will we do about it?
1: Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows.